Hi again, I'm Mark Bell, Editor-in-Chief of Director's Notes with another instalment in our series of interviews recorded at the London Film Festival. Returning to the narrative roots of her well-received debut feature, Thirst, Svetla Totorkova's sister is a self-proclaimed confession of love to those who live a seemingly unnoticeable life. The story of compulsive tall tale teller Raina. Sister follows a defiant teen as one of her fanciful stories threatens to tear her family apart. In our interview, Totorkova reveals how her time at film school built the foundations of her filmic voice and the power of lies on and off the screen. It's my pleasure to be joined on the Director's Notes podcast today with director Svetla Totorkova to discuss her second feature, Sister. Welcome to Director's Notes. What we like to do here before we kind of dive into the thick of the interviews to find out a little bit more about how you came to filmmaking and directing and how did you progress? Well, I um, had a, quite a boring childhood and I used to invent stories and lies all the time. And this is what got me into filmmaking, just because I was inventing stories, telling lies mm-hmm. all the time. Um, I applied at the film school in Sofia, Bulgaria, and I got in just telling lies, inventing stories. Before you applied to the film school, were you already making things kind of off your own bat? No. Believe me or not, I thought that Kurosawa was a motorcycle brand. (laughs) So your application then, um, because a lot of film schools, they'll ask you to submit a film or something. So what was that process? How did you convince them to let you you in? I was 18, it was just after school, and they had five different stages. First, you you write like a short story for a film, then you had to do like a short theater performance with actors, they give you then, you have to shoot like a short movie, this is the third stage, then the fourth stage was kind of an interview with the juries, they ask you what your interests are, like music, theater, books, blah, 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 whatever. I think I convinced them that I was very honest and <laughs> nice <laughs> just by inventing different stories and lines and I got through all the stages. That sounds to me then that you kind of almost went to film school with a purity that most film students don't go with, as in they go going, I want to make films like Kurosawa or Tarantino or something like that, and even though they may move away from that as they develop. What did you find yourself gravitating towards? What kind of filmmaking spoke to you most as you were being exposed to you know, this larger world of filmmaking that you hadn't explored by yourself? Well, I think that uh, when I got into the film school, my knowledge of film was minute. I was very young and my taste in films and life was not form, I would say. And thanks to the teachers, because the Film Academy in Bulgaria used to follow the Russian way of the Russian method of uh, teaching. It was like one director and his assistant takes you under their wing and you go five years with them. And of course you have other classes, but they kind of mentor you and teach you. And I think because of those two teachers, I am what I am and who I am. And they formed my personal taste in art in general. And then the films came. after they kind of formed my taste because when I was 18 and I watched um, Tarkovsky Sacrifice I couldn't understand what it was about and I couldn't understand why so it took me a while (laughs) (laughs) You're back at the London Film Festival with um, your second feature, Sister could you just tell us a little bit about what the film's about? 
sister is about me. It's about a girl who invents stories and lies because um, she feels that this world is too boring, too tight for her. And she wants to kind of escape by inventing stories and lies. Mm -hmm. And one of her lies almost destroys her family. And she's trying to rebuild everything she destroyed and while she's doing that she discovers the truth about her mother well actually it's a movie about lonely people yeah. who discover themselves with their secrets and lies the lead of sister she was in first so is this a role that you wrote specifically for her yeah, uh, Monika Naidenova is not an actress. When I discovered her, she was 13 years old, and I spent two and a half years. Um, I had seen over 3,000 girls for that part. And then by the time Thirst was released, she was 16, I think. And me and my screenwriter, who is also my producer, we said, okay, we wanted to write this story about these girls that is inventing stories all the time and lies, da 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 da. Let's just do it now while we have the girl because she's gonna be 18 in two years. By the time we finish financing the film, she's gonna be 18 or 17, perfect age for the movie. We wrote the script. We wrote it within three days in Zurich, where we were presenting Thirst. At the festival, we saw a deadline uh, at our film center that finances movies. And we said, okay, let's do it now. We wrote the script within three days, but we didn't get financed. Two, three years passed by. Monica turned 18, and we said, okay, we still haven't financed the movie, so we have two ways to go. And we wrote the script especially for her. One is to wait another two or three years to finance the movie and spend another two or three years looking for another girl or just do it now with friends. So we did the movie with friends. I know that for you the script is very important and holding the script and getting that just right. And so then going back and making the film without the financing that you would hope to get, did that mean that you had to rework the script particularly? Not enough financing makes you more inventive. Right. We didn't drop anything, but in terms of how we told the story, camera, the shots, we became more inventive. So we had longer shots, longer takes, instead of chopping it into different shots. One scene, one shot. Yeah. So it's, it just saves time. So therefore you don't have to have as many setups, etc. Yeah. yeah. So we shot the movie within 15, 16 days. Wow. Well. Limitation makes you inventive. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And that's one of the things that, from the opening moments of the film, that really pulled me in is that style. I love the kind of matter of fact um, confession when she is presenting this tall tale to the customers. And we don't see who she's talking to at first, and then we see the parade of the people. And is that something that you knew going in from filming that you were going to do that, or that you found while you were editing that it was more effective? holding on her and then going to the parade of people rather than you know, cross-cutting as you would normally expect. Well, the truth is that we wrote one, two, three. We wrote three monologues, like three different stories that she tells. And we shot them one after the other without stopping the camera. We just put Monica in front of the stall with the figurines. Yeah and just turn the camera on and she just 
delivered three different stories and the first one was like page and a half because we thought that we're gonna have just her on the screen for two or three minutes and then have the customers but then we thought it's just too arty <laughs> <laughs> it's you know we were just losing it and uh, at some point so we decided to chop the three different stories and actually we used only two of them because the film just kicked it out the yeah. third one itself if you know what I mean yeah the film didn't want it Monica is very good with monologues she's not trained she doesn't want to be an actress she's just and again it's just that, that stare into the camera mm. as well that is just so hypnotic from the first second that you see it and you know, this is the first time I've seen her perform and it just immediately pulled me in obviously there's the lies and the lies that she tells and the way that that ripples through the family and then older lies or I suppose omissions come up but another element of the film that I found quite compelling is the use of sex almost as a currency this is the life we live in it's again another sort of relationship that um, we were trying to explore in the movie but um, it's actually part of the life we live in yes what were the conversations that you had with regards to the feel that you wanted the music to evoke? Uh, when, you, when you say music, you mean the songs they sing? Yes, yes, this, mm. yeah. Okay, when we wrote the script, I said to him, now I need two songs, mm -hmm. one of them to be um, like a um, song that um, people sing when they get drunk and they're kind of, you know, when they lose it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it could be on the border of kind of brave and a little bit dirty. And so he wrote the lyrics for the first song, my screenwriter. And then I said, then I want a contrast, a really sentimental, tender, genital song. So he wrote a poem. Then I went to Christo Namliev and I said, now I need this kind of music for this one and this kind of music for the other one. It was very easy. He just did it. It might be a bit early to um, ask you this, but are there any other projects that you're um, currently working on that we'll see from you in the hopeful near future? Yeah, there is uh, a new project we're working on that is called Fortune Teller. I really loved the look into these lives that we've got and the dynamics. So, you know, thank you so much for talking to us about the film today, and I hope it does well. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the DM Podcast. As always, we'd greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave a rating or review for us in your favourite podcasting app or share the show with a film-loving friend. We'll be back next week with an interview with Henry Blake, whose devastating debut feature, County Lines, is based on the dark reality of vulnerable children who are groomed into nationwide drug-selling enterprises. Speak to you soon.